This is Greg Olson here to tell you about my new podcast, TE1. On the show, I had a chance to talk to my fellow tight ends who have revolutionized the position from an extra lineman to a dual threat superstar. And just like my guests have changed the game, this year, NFLSundayTicket.tv is revolutionizing your NFL viewing experience. Stream all the live out-of-market NFL games every Sunday on your favorite devices and never miss a moment from your favorite players. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use the promo code GREG88 at checkout and get 15% off your subscription. That's NFLSundayTicket.tv and the promo code GREG88. Subscribe to TE1 and get NFLSundayTicket.tv, an unmatched dual threat. Babe, do you want the living room back? Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Dice Trade Cast on Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by our friends over at Blue Wire, Bet Online, and the FFPC. We are creeping and crawling ever so closely towards September, towards the football season. And today, I feel like it's been a while since we did one of these shows, Dan, but today it's just me and you. No guests, no ex lovers, uh, just me and you. It's just the two of us, and we can make it if we try. Just the two of us, Nathan, you and I. You know? There we go. All right. So uh, we have made our way across the NFL nation. We've gone from west to east to north, which leaves us with just one last coordinate, and we have the south. So today we're talking AFC South and NFC South, and pretty much the storyline, the dynasty storyline with each team heading into the NFL season. And before we get started, uh, we have our FFPC stat attack, and it is on a Jacksonville Jaguar. Gardner Minshew, what do we have, Dan? That's right. Our FFPC stat attack of the week is Gardner Minshew's touchdown rate last year was 11th overall in the NFL for qualifying quarterbacks at 4.5%. His interception rate? Top five at 1.28%. He was, however, 19th in yards per game, which you could probably expect, especially as a rookie and throwing to the likes of, you know, Chris Conley, Keelan Cole. Obviously, he did have TJ Chark during his breakout season. D.D. Westbrook, while uh, kind of just hanging around playing the slot role. And the surprising 100 targets to Leonard Fournette. So, yes, Gardner Minshew is your stat attack of the week, brought to you by... The FFPC. And by now, you've heard me talk about it for the last few months, but the FFPC is the place to go. If you want to get involved with redraft, best ball, dynasty, I'm guessing most of the dynasties are creeping towards an end as the season's coming to an end, but it is high stakes season, folks. Get in one of these high stakes tournaments that the FFPC provides, and you will be a happy person because you're going to be in on the big bucks, drafting for high stakes, and that's what we want high, high stakes with hot takes. And that's what the FFPC provides. So make sure to check them out. FFPC, always a great supporter of Rotoviz and always a great place to get your fantasy on. Right, Dan? That is absolutely right. 
All right. So now let's talk some Gardner Minshew. Uh, Jacksonville Jaguars, they are projected to have the lowest win total in the NFL, at, according to most Las Vegas uh, sport books. Now, as far as Gardner Minshew's dynasty value, I, I think that pretty much the biggest flaw in Gardner Minshew's dynasty value right now is how bad the Jaguars are. That uh, Gardner Minshew with Jacksonville and Dwayne Haskins in Washington are the two players that basically they have to like they they are the two where quarterback wins matters this year. If they don't win football games for their teams and they end up having their teams having top three, top five picks, they're going to lose their job. It doesn't really even matter how good they play. They have to win games in order to not get that top pick, which will result in, result in losing their job to a, a future quarterback. Yeah, I mean, that's always a risk, especially when you don't have the draft capital of, you know, even a Blake Bortles had. So, uh, you know, this this to me, this season is going to put Gardner on the path of either he's Dak Prescott or he was just a bridge to their future franchise quarterback. Now, the numbers that we talked about for the FFPC stat attack are pretty promising. The yardage is kind of what you would expect. Normally those yardage totals are are relatively low for rookies. You know, we saw Kyler Murray throw for right around that 3,000-yard mark, and everybody's doing and eyeing. Obviously, he was a top pick, so that's your big difference. And, you know, Gardner, Gardner did a lot of things with not a whole lot to do it with. And like I did mention before, we do have a DJ Chark breakout season that occurred D. Westbrook kind of held his own as that kind of modified slot guy. And Leonard Fournette had a huge season out of the backfield. So this defense is going to be really, really bad. Uh, obviously, Jalen Ram- Ramsey's no, no longer there. Yannick Ngakwe is, is out of town. And, I mean, there's not really anything left there. You mentioned that they have the lowest win total uh, as far as Vegas goes. And uh, it's hard to argue with that. They're going to be playing from behind early and often. They're going to be throwing a lot. I I think Gardner Minshew is going to be a nice short-term asset. But that win total is going to likely put them in a place to draft Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields um, or even, you know, there's a couple more guys down the board. Maybe they move back. Maybe they, you know, maybe they have multiple picks, something. I I don't know. I I feel like, I feel like, of the potential, you know, mid QB two, low end QB two guys in the dynasty realm, Gardner is one of the guys that has kind of the easiest path to lose his his you know job, honestly. Yeah, which is the major major concern for dynasty. But I will say that it's not often you see a guy who played as well as he did as a rookie, and then draft capital plays a part in that. But like, you can't get a first for him in superflex. Like, mm-hmm. and, and any other like quarterback having that type of season in year one results in him being worth like a first and a half. So yes, there is that risk, but also the risk is mitigated by his price. Hasn't really escalated. I mean, yes, it's escalated from being an undrafted free agent basically, but honestly, I, if, if you need a quarterback in Superflex right now, I don't mind giving a, an early second because on the off chance, like, he is a he's a young quarterback, obviously, and young quarterbacks have the ultimate ceiling in superflex of if they become a long term starter, they're worth a bunch, certainly more than you know your average first round pick. So um, while I am trying to sell my Minshew shares for a first, uh, if I can't do that, maybe I should go buying some Minshew shares for a second. Definitely, and and maybe they surprise us and win six games or something because that's not going to get them the first pick, and that's probably gonna that's probably gonna keep Minshew's job. So. 
I, I mean, there's definitely a, a realistic chance that he is the starter in 2021. I think there's a pretty good chance that they're bad enough where they're going to the front office's hand is forced to draft one of the top two or three quarterbacks coming into the end of the league next year. Yeah. And Jacksonville does have a nice little group of weapons or they're, or they're starting to build one with DJ Chark, LaVisca Chanel. Um, I liked Josh Oliver before the injury. So, and, and obviously they have the, the pick capital as well. They have two firsts again next year with the Jalen Ramsey trade. So they're going to have, you know, some capital to build weapons around, whether it be Gardner Minshew or, or, you know, Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence. So I, I, I like Chark a lot. I like LaVisca and I think they're going to continue to build that around any sort of uh, quarterback. I do think that this is for, I mean, I'm not, that this is any sort of hot take, but I think this is Fournette's last year. And I don't think that really has any impact on, on Minshew's value. It shouldn't. Also, don't forget Tyler Eifert. Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. Let's go to the Texans. <laughs> All right. Let's go to the Houston Texans. Uh, we have Deshaun Watson. Before the show, I went on the Rotoviz Game Splits app. You may have heard of it. It's one of the fav- my favorite apps on the internet. Um, Rotoviz Game Splits app. I typed in Deshaun Watson, and my in split was DeAndre Hopkins because I wanted to see well, how has uh, Deshaun Watson done in a world without DeAndre Hopkins? Because guess what? In 2020, De- Deshaun Watson will be playing with DeAndre Hopkins. Well, guess what? That in split is 38 games. That out split is zero games. <laughs> Deshaun Watson has never played a game without DeAndre Hopkins. He will do that this year. I will say, yes, the Texans made a lot of bad football decisions this year, but their weapons aren't terrible right now. Like they have Brandon Cooks, Randall Cobb, and Will Fuller, and Kenny Stills. Like, yes, there are definitely better wide receiver cores in the NFL, but I do think that people are saying, okay, Hopkins is gone, therefore this receiving core is dead. And there's certainly a lot of risk in this receiving core, but I think that there is also some talent there. Oh, for sure. And think about if you if you take this core at like 2016 when David Johnson was David Johnson and Brandon Cooks wasn't dead yet. And and, you know, Kenny Stills was kind of coming to life. It's there's there's a lot of potential there. A lot of these guys are, are guys that struggle to stay healthy. And if somehow they all stay healthy, offense can be kind of crazy because they have a lot of playmakers. David Johnson can can be a game breaker big time. Brandon Cooks, Kenny Stills, Will Fuller, all of those guys can can take it to the house any given play. So, I mean, there's there's plenty of options for Watson. It's who stays healthy. You know, not having arguably the best wide receiver in football on your team anymore is tough. But having a ton of playmakers that really all you have to do is get the ball into their hands, that's – I don't think that's really a big step backwards – now, if all of them are hurt, which I think everyone's kind of anticipating at some point, all of them will be hurt. But, you know, at, at that point, now you worry for Deshaun because now he's not going to have any time in the pocket. He's not going to have anyone to throw to. And he's, I mean, he's just going to get David Card. So hopefully, hopefully these guys can at least take turns getting hurt and not all get hurt at the same time because that would be very bad. But uh, I think Deshaun, I think he took a little dip in value over the last kind of year and a half. And now he's kind of sustained in that mid QB one range. Whereas, you know, last year uh, or, or beginning of last year, we were kind of looking at, you know, is, is he going to push Mahomes for that top spot? Obviously that didn't quite happen, but it's not like he was, he was bad by any means. He was actually pretty darn good. 
Yeah, I mean, w- before the Hopkins trade, most people had Watson at QB3. And then when the Watson trade happened, they're like, okay, move Kyler to QB3, Watson to QB4. And I think that still might be a little bit premature. I, I've been I've been a little guilty of pumping the brakes on Kyler Murray a little bit this year because I, I'm scared of a Baker, a Baker Mayfield-type sophomore season. But with Deshaun Watson, I, I think even more so than us crowning Kyler too early, I think we might be downgrading Watson a little bit too early because maybe, and obviously I'm not sure how, how viable this is long-term, but maybe losing Hopkins makes Watson use his legs a little bit more, you know? So, and obviously that would be a good thing for fantasy. So I, 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 I love, I still love Watson from a dynasty perspective. I, if you, if you can get him for two and a half type first uh, in a, a super flex league, that's a price I'd be willing to pay. And I think that, that this is going to be the cheapest that you're going to get him, you know, with people still worried about the Hopkins thing. And if he performs without Hopkins, his price is going to skyrocket back up to being, you know, closer to the tier one than, than the bottom of tier two. Right. And, and you're still looking at, at probably 500 ish attempts through the air and in the ballpark of 80 to hundred carries. So yeah, I mean the, the leg, the potential more use of his legs, I think it'd be a great reason to buy, if you're if you're either swapping QBs in that mid QB one range, or if you're outright buying, I think if you were to buy a QB one right now, Deshaun's probably got the best upside compared to Price because he does still have a little bit of wiggle room. Whereas, you know, Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, even Dak Prescott at this point are all probably priced at their ceilings, and Deshaun still has a little room to go back up. So. Uh, I think if you're buying a QB one, I think it's probably Deshaun Watson, and you're probably hoping for them to use him on the ground, you know, around that hundred yard or hundred attempts mark, and hope that they continue to throw the ball basically as much as they have because he's been pretty consistent his first two seasons through the air. Five, I think five hundred five and four ninety five, so exactly five hundred on average, which I think is pretty fair to expect again this year. And uh, before we move on, let's talk about their tight ends a little bit. You know. There is an opportunity here with, we talked about all the injury riddle wide receivers for a tight end opening to happen. Now, I do think I saw uh, that most of the training camp blurbs have been about Jordan Akins and that he kind of has that that fir- the first tight end role. I am a fan of Kyle Waring, who was a third round pick in 2019. I don't believe he played in his rookie season, um, but I, I do think that, you know, he has some upside with a decent draft capital and the offense around him. Uh, do you think he's wor- worth a stash or I think it's just like, okay, streams from Jordan Akins? I think he's definitely still on that stash list. I think he's been on the stash list for quite some time. Uh, I think the one thing going against him is the fact that he didn't play last year. And Jordan Akins is kind of in his quote unquote prime right now. I think he's 28. Um, hasn't played a ton, but did have like 60 targets or something like that last year. So, I mean, he's been a part of the offense. He's worked with Watson, whereas Waring has been hurt, not on the field. Or, you know, just, I mean, maybe he was healthy scratch. I, I, I don't know. I think it was all injury-based. So, I, I do feel like he's a nice a nice hold, a nice stash. But, you know, tight ends are weird. The young ones usually take some time unless they're high picks. And even then, you're not always getting production. So, it might be a waiting game in... You know, maybe maybe we see him in 2020. Maybe it's not until 2021 when the the roster has a little more turnover and he's able to kind of have a free path. Alrighty, uh, one year ago, Andrew Luck retired. Um, That's right. In that in that year, they spent one year showing that Jacoby Brissett is not an NFL starting quarterback, 
And then they signed a man who probably shouldn't be a starting quarterback in the NFL anymore, <laughs> Philip Rivers. <laughs> and they have, in that time span, drafted two wide receivers on day two of the NFL draft, Michael Pittman and Paris Campbell. Paris Campbell, somewhat of a disappointment in his rookie season, a lot of that due to injuries. Michael Pittman probably went a little bit higher than most people thought in the NFL draft, very early second round. Uh, fun fact, they, they, they drafted Michael Pittman before Jonathan Taylor. Uh, not that really means much from a dynasty perspective. You still want Jonathan Taylor over Pittman, but that just shows how much they liked Pittman. They're like, they're like, okay, we got to lock down Pittman first before we go after Taylor. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I get it. The wide receiver run that happened kind of forced their hand, and and they got nice value on Jonathan Taylor. You know, I, I don't think I don't think Michael Pittman is necessarily like a game changer or or. You know, I don't think he profiles as a as a wide receiver one. I think he's that that more prototypical wide receiver two. I, I don't know. I, I don't love Pittman, but at the same time, the capital is there, and I think he did enough in college, especially early, to make me think that that he's going to be at least okay as a fantasy asset. I don't think we'll ever see like a top twenty four season from him, but we'll see what what they do. I mean, they still have TY Hilton. So I mean, when healthy is is a game changer. Paris Campbell, we saw very very limited action based on what we had from college. We know that he can do quite a bit. He's more of your change of pace guy, kind of like a scat back that they split out. And I feel like there's a space for all of these guys. The problem is I don't think Indianapolis is throwing the ball that much. It was all over the place last year. They didn't really have any leads for targets. I think Zach Pascal was their lead target in 2019, which is disgusting. Think about that. And they love to run the football. I don't. And they're going to run. It, and they're going to run it more now that they have John they're, Taylor. They're going to run it more. They're going to run it. There's going to be hot and heavy for Marlon Mack for about a month. They're going to pepper in Jonathan Taylor, and then as soon as they realize that Jonathan Taylor is Jonathan freaking Taylor. They're going to run him, Marlon's workload, and then give Marlon Jonathan's previous workload. So I mean, you're going to have you're going to have like 250 carries from one of these guys, and probably 150 from the other one. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be run first, run second, run third. Try to preserve Rivers as much as possible. Uh, obviously, Rivers is going to do Rivers things and probably force some bad throws and throw some dead ducks with his shot put arm. It's, I don't think there's a ton of upside short term in the passing offense in Indy. I think this is going to be more of a delayed, uh, you know, a, a delay in production for whether it's Pittman Campbell, I think T Y will still get his because he is the alpha in that group. I just, there's, there's not a ton of upside. I don't think short term, long term. I'm good with, with getting your hands on Pittman and Paris Campbell. I like Paris Campbell's price better considering they're drafted around the same spot. Uh, I have many more shares, but I think as we've gotten closer to the season, Pittman's price has dropped and be, he, he's become, I think, definitely more gettable than he was. I mean, you've had random risers like Antonio Gibson, who people just all of a sudden assume is a stunning starting running back. So I think there's AJ, a lot of AJ, guys. AJ Dillon would probably go over Pittman in a draft right now. Yep. Yep. And even guys like Zach Moss, those, those types of guys had been kind of slowly building up and moving up and, Guys like Michael Pittman, who didn't really hit the news or have a lot going on, just kind of started high and just kind of slowly trailed off. So uh, I think now's a good time to get either one of them if you're interested in them. Yeah, but I, I think that like we have this window with 
with uh, Campbell. I think we're going to have this window with Pittman next year. Uh, I, I've talked about throughout the offseason that Debo Samuel had the rookie season we thought Paris Campbell would have. And I think that Paris Campbell still has a Debo Samuel type season in him if he stays healthy and becomes a feature part of that offense. And we often talk about how, yes, targets are the end all be all, but when an offense doesn't have a wide receiver one, when the offense doesn't have a T.Y. Hilton, that really hurts the ability for a young wide receiver to develop because there's going to ha- there's nothing to detract the attention away from those players. So when you have Hilton on the field, that's going to help out Campbell in terms of you know him positioning himself to score points. It's even more difficult when you're only healthy for six games. Yep, absolutely. All right, let's go on to our final AFC South team. We have the Tennessee Titans. Uh, who I who I have profiled here is AJ Brown. Uh, now we we know that AJ Brown's very good. <laughs> How good is AJ Brown? Do do we think that he's going to have a large skyrocket in usage? Um, I saw a stat earlier today that like he didn't reach like a fifty percent snap count until like week eight. Obviously, he's going to be at like a ninety percent snap count in week one. So, what's the ceiling on AJ Brown right now? Well, I mean, it, his absolute ceiling is being a wide receiver one. I think. I think if whoever's throwing the football in Tennessee makes it happen, it, it's it's going to be kind of a long shot as it is. But if Tannehill is is even a glimmer of what he was last year, I think we could see a really strong season from AJ Brown. Now, do teams start to focus on AJ Brown, and now all of a sudden, randomly Corey Davis becomes good? I mean, they. Teams planned for Corey Davis, completely took him away, and now A.J. Brown is a star. Then they had to start scheming for A.J. Brown. I don't know. I think I think A.J. is very good, but I don't think he is quarterback-proof, and I definitely don't think that he's like defense-proof, where he's just going to be able to get open as he pleases and do whatever he wants and impose his will like like guys like Michael Thomas can do or DeAndre Hopkins can do or when healthy Odell Beckham can do. He's not that guy, but he's very good. So I I think he's in that, that tier behind kind of the stack of what I believe are true NFL wide receiver ones. Yeah. But as you talked about, many of those guys you're talking about are entering their year 28, 29 type seasons. And all AJ Brown has to do is put similar numbers up that he did as a rookie, which he, which I'm assuming he'll do at least that if he stays healthy, that um, if he puts up similar numbers as a rookie season, he's going to eclipse those guys and start up ADP. Not that, you know, forecasting the next year's ADP is all in the end all be all, but I think that AJ Brown is going to increase his dynasty value over the next year. um, Unless there's some sort of crazy Corey Davis breakout. To me, it feels a little bit like it might be kind of a juju type thing where it's, you know, explosive. And now all of a sudden when he's the alpha in the offense and, the offense kind of de facto runs through him, it, it shuts down. Now, obviously, there was some other out, <laughs> outside uh, issues with no Big Ben and having probably the two worst quarterbacks in the NFL throwing you the football for Juju. You know, I, I think AJ definitely can be that guy. I think it's going to be a lot easier to, to project uh, a turn backwards for sure i don't think i don't think it's it it's easy to project him ascent continuing to ascend is it's my only issue i i don't think he's overpriced really i don't i don't necessarily have an issue with his value i i just think 
expectations might be too lofty when you have a run first offense with Ryan Tannehill as the quarterback. Yeah, I mean, my main point, and this is actually more so kind of where the dynasty sphere is right now. AJ Brown's being drafted at wide receiver nine and 28 overall. And, you know, just three, four years ago, wide receiver nine was going like 112, you know, 16 picks earlier. And now we have, uh, we have 16 running backs going ahead of, of AJ Brown, which I, I, I think that that's going to look like a mistake um, pretty soon. Um, I'm not sure. You know, I, I think Eckler's certainly a mistake. Dobbins, Swift, maybe even definitely Aaron Jones. So yeah, there's several running backs that are ahead of him that I shouldn't, wouldn't take over him. And I certainly wouldn't take the quarterbacks that are going over him as well. You know, Mahomes and, and Lamar in a one QB league. So I think there's room to go with AJ Brown and uh, yeah, that's pretty much all I got to say on that one. All would right. You rather, would you rather have AJ Brown or Juju? Juju. Um, but I think that's fair. I like both those guys, and I think they're both. Uh, they will both be ascending from uh, Juju's at wide receiver seven twenty two overall, and AJ Brown wide receiver nine twenty eight overall. Okay. Yeah. I, I just I feel like those two, wherever one is, the other should be. So I, I don't like I said I don't hate the value. I hate the fact that there's so many running backs going so early, especially when it's guys. I mean, Jonathan Taylor at RB10 already, Derrick Henry 12, Miles Sanders 11, which he shouldn't be, Austin Eckler 13, J.K. Dobbins 14, DeAndre Swift 15, Aaron Jones 16, and all of those guys are ahead of A.J. Brown. And then you have Kenyon Drake right there. Mm-hmm. That 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 whole entire section right there didn't make sense to me. <laughs> yeah, for sure. All right, now let's go to our friends over at Thera One CBD. From tight muscles, tough workouts, signs of aging, to simply making it through each busy day, everyone understands what it feels like to be tense and sore. So, everyone can benefit from TheraOne's CBD products. Started by Dr. Jason Worsland, TheraBody exists to provide you with the best scientifically validated natural solutions to help soothe your body and relax your mind. It started with the revolutionary Theragun percussive therapy device. When Dr. Jason saw the benefits of using CBD in his treatments, he created TheraOne to bring you CBD products done right. A lot of CBD products claim that they're organic, but still contain up to 30% filler. And these fillers are potentially toxic. TheraOne tests their products four times before they get to you. And every product is USDA certified organic, grown in the US, and their CBD extracts are the highest quality available anywhere. Use TheraOne's warming lotion on your morning routine, the cooling lotion or massage oil to recover, body balm for targeted relief, and sleep tincture to drift into a deep night's sleep. Now through Labor Day, Monday, September 7th, that is, TheraOne is offering our listeners a buy one, get one free for all TheraOne products. But you've got to go to theragun.com slash bluewire. If you don't love what you get from TheraOne, send it back for a full refund within 30 days of purchase. This is not something TheraOne is likely to do again. So make sure you get to theragun.com slash bluewire for buy one, get one free on all TheraOne products only until Labor Day. Again, go right now to theragun.com slash bluewire. Sunday, Sunday, Sundays. They're coming back, folks. Sundays are coming back in the NFL with NFL Sunday Ticket. Dot TV. You can stream every live, out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices. Plus, 
Red Zone, and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels. Never miss your favorite teams and favorite players. No matter where you live, NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use our promo code BLUEWIRE, B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E, at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use promo code BLUEWIRE, B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E. I got to get my Sunday ticket, Dan, because I live in Virginia, and um, I got to watch Tom Brady, and he plays for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who just so happened to be our next division. NFC South, Tom Brady. Yes, I, you're going to say, Nathan, Nathan you're talk, you, these are the dynasty storylines. These are the dynasty things. Yes, Tom Brady's dynasty value really doesn't mean much. Uh, he has one, maybe two years, most likely two years left. But what's he going to do with those two years is the real question, because he wasn't good in 2019. Now, does the... Uh, new home does the new weapons invigorate one tom brady and bring back his 38 year old arm who knows but i i I, i'm pessimistic personally i i think that we're going to see more of our the 2019 tom brady than than people are, are likely thinking is going to happen um but I do think that he is going to like make less mistakes than James Winston did in 2019. So at, at the very least, there's going to be less early drives ending because of turnovers with uh, Brady at the helm, which could be a benefit for Evans and Goblin. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's weird because he definitely looked really, really bad last year. But if you just go and look at the physical numbers, it's not, crazily different than Jameis Winston. Hear me out. 600 plus attempts. That's positive. I mean, Brady had 600 attempts last year, which I didn't think there was a chance in hell he hit that number. He did. The big, big, big difference between Tom Brady and Jameis Winston last year, on 613 attempts, Brady threw for 4,057 yards. On 626 attempts, Jameis Winston threw for 5,109 yards. Touchdowns, not that different. Interceptions, good God. So, (laughs) and when I say good God, I mean Jameis Winston had 30 interceptions last year and Tom Brady had a whopping eight. So, I think the... The ceiling, we won't be even in the same ballpark as far as what ceiling can be reached. However, the floor is going to be much, much higher than what Jameis was able to provide because he's very bad. Tom Brady, also not good, but doesn't make the mistakes constantly. They're going to be able to move the ball offensively. It's probably not going to be a whole lot down the field. I think we're going to be expecting Godwin and Evans and whoever else is going to be involved to get the ball and do it themselves. Uh, But they're going to have the ball consistently, and they're not going to constantly turn it over, and they're not going to do all of these crazy things and force hospital balls down the field to these guys. I think it's going to be a safer, cleaner offense that is probably going to work more like a machine rather than just a bunch of haymakers and hoping one lands. It's... It's going to be a boring offense that consistently scores points, just not as many as you want. I, I don't I don't think Evans or Godwin 
is again kind of like AJ Brown. Poor. I don't think either one of them is poorly priced. I do think expectations may be a bit lofty for mid wide receiver one production because I don't think they're going to be getting that. I think you're going to have fringe type guys like how we saw with maybe Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs a couple of years ago when those guys put up nice seasons with Case Keenum. Um, I feel like we're going to have closer to that than potential to mid wide receiver ones, even though they both could do it. I just, I don't see, I, I don't see the upside to get them there. No, I feel like we've played this game a lot recently and it's often not mattered or bit us in the butt, but how should we be looking at Chris Godwin and Mike Evans, dynasty value thinking about their quarterback long-term and let's assume that Brady has two years. So is there any worry for who the Buccaneers quarterback is in 2022? Or is that like, well, we're going to take our points now and we'll worry about who the quarterback is later because they're probably good enough to support whatever quarterback it is. I think if it's Chris Godwin, you're definitely not worrying about who the quarterback is. Mike Evans is 26. He's three years older. Um, when that time comes, he'll be 28. And I believe up for a new contract, uh, maybe have one more year left, but it's i think i think this the uh, the safe pr- player to me here is chris godwin that's not to say that that mike evans is a bum he's just he's got three fewer years of potential points to earn and he's going to be the one most likely cuz I, I can't imagine they're going to want to keep a 29 year old mike evans over a 26 year old chris godwin so it's I think short term, they're the same guy. Honestly, they're both going to have like 125 targets, maybe 130 targets at, at best case scenario. But the the big time upside, I, I just don't think is there for either. However, they're going to be consistent enough where you're still going to have to have them as as mid to low end wide receiver ones. They're just they're both not going to be able to do it. I don't think. Yeah. All right, let's move on to Carolina, who moved on from. Cam Newton and signed Teddy Bridgewater from the New Orleans Saints. And they have an interesting group of weapons. Obviously, the highlighters are uh, CMC, Christian McCaffrey, and DJ Moore. But I'm here to talk about the other two pieces, in, or the other three pieces in this offense. We have Robbie Anderson, Curtis Samuel, and Ian Thomas. Now, obviously, n- none of these three guys are going to be an alpha in an offense. But I think all three of them have the upside of being like the number two target in an offense. And if we're not talking Christian McCaffrey as a target, which is assuming he is. So basically the number three target in this offense. So which one of these three guys are you buying as the number three target in Carolina? Do you think they're all great values or do you think it's a mix of, of each? If I'm being selfish, I, I want to say it's Curtis Samuel. I think he's got more of a more well-rounded ability. Uh, Robbie Anderson is just explosive and can, and can, you know, he's kind of that guy that can just change it and, and go to the house every single time. Kind of like some of the guys we talked about earlier. Um, so, I mean, for the value, both these guys aren't really costing anything. And I mean, Robbie Anderson's kind of a wild card as far as <laughs> mental stability goes, I think, but Curtis Samuels had some in- injury issues. So, Honestly, outside of, of CMC and DJ Moore, I think if I'm targeting someone on this team, it's probably going to be Teddy Bridgewater. He's he's like he's going as a QB three somehow. They signed him to a three year contract. He's 26 or 27 years old and he's got weapons. He didn't really have the luxury of of 
big time weapons in Minnesota. He didn't really get the opportunity to play in New Orleans aside from the stint when Breeze was out, and he looked great. So I think I think if I can't if I can't find my way into a market value price of Christian McCaffrey or DJ Moore, as nice as it is to to get Curtis Samuel or Robbie Anderson for really cheap, I think I'm just going to get Teddy Bridgewater at QB three prices. It's really hard to beat that. Yeah, that, I mean that's definitely the redraft take when you see like, you know, a team with a bunch of weapons, like, okay, like if you don't want to pay for one of the wide receivers or the tight end, you just go for the quarterback. I I do think that the Panthers are not quite as much. So as Jacksonville and Washington, but they are at risk of if they have a bad season, just dumping, (laughs) dumping the quarterback or, you know, keeping the quarterback as a backup or, you know, developing a young player. So I'm not sure about Teddy's long-term job security, but he looked good in 2019 when he was starting for uh, in New Orleans. And I know Sean Payton makes a lot of quarterbacks look good, or at least I actually, I don't know that I'm assuming Sean Payton would make, make quarterbacks look good, but he's only ever had to make Drew Brees and Teddy Bridgewater look good. True. And the times that they've tried to let Taysom Hill throw, he looks bad. So oh, you know what it is? I think it's because he is bad and everyone should stop talking about him and stop rostering him in fantasy because he's useless. I feel like there's there's something deep down that would need to come out there. I can't stand um, but, the whole Taysom Hill thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's a word. And I, I, I will say that out of the med- weapons I talked about, Thomas, uh, Anderson, and Samuel, I actually like Anderson a, a good bit. But my, my one worry about Anderson is that if there's a quarterback that isn't suited for Robbie Anderson, it's Teddy Bridgewater. I don't see Teddy Bridgewater throwing 30 yards deep balls down the sideline anytime soon uh you, you can see that most of his passes went to michael thomas within five yards of the line of scrimmage last year uh and i think that's where dj moore will thrive because i think he has a similar skill set to that of michael thomas now sure let's go now let's go to new orleans and we just talked about their former quarterback teddy bridgewater and now let's talk about their current quarterbacks drew Brees and james winston now you uh, went on a soliloquy about how james winston stinks um so let's talk about james winston's fantasy value I, I think that he's being valued as one of the highest valued QB2s in the league. And I'm not saying that there's like a huge market for QB2s in super even even in Dynasty Superflex. But the real question is, and with Drew Brees, I'm pretty sure he signed a media deal. Not that that, that hasn't stopped Greg Olson. Greg Olson has signed, this, this is a, a, an aside, Greg Olson has signed like eight media deals to like, <laughs> okay, I'm going to retire and then be your play-by-play guy. I mean, I mean, I'm going to retire and be your color guy. He's done that like three times in the last three years, and he hasn't. Each time, he just keeps on like, eh, like I'll I'll do it next year. But Drew Brees has signed. I'm pretty sure it was Thursday night, Sunday. One of the one of the bigger jobs Drew Brees signed as the uh, co- color commentator. So I think he's gone. I think this is the 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 final ride for Drew Brees. And James Winston's on a one year deal. But I think that this is some somewhat of a you know an audition to say. Are you gonna are you gonna be handed the keys to the offense? Do you think that's the case, or do you think they're gonna go elsewhere at free agency or the draft with if if Breeze leaves? No, Jameis is gonna be the guy that that has the that has an audition to to be the <laughs> to be the lead for his play and then just completely not even show up for his audition. It's a one year million dollar deal. It, you know, it, it's a it's a hey, stick around and prove it, like you said, but. They're they're gonna move on. I, I would assume it's not gonna be Taysom Hill either. I, no, I think no, it's not gonna be Taysom Hill. <laughs> well, hey, they keep stringing him along and stringing him along, and they put a freaking first round value on him in RFA. So 
uh, you know, we we don't really know what we're what we're dealing with there. I think they could be one of the surprise teams that maybe makes a big move up in the 2021 draft to get a quarterback. I don't think Jameis really has any value at this point. He's shown that he can, I mean, he can make massive plays and constantly turn the ball over. He could potentially be Ryan Fitzpatrick, I guess, if, if you know, he can kind of keep on the straight and narrow a little bit because we know we've had some, he's had some stupid issues in the past too. Yeah, I'm kind of right there with you on the Drew Brees. This might be this might be it, bit though, because he also has looked like he's slowing down quite a bit. I don't think he looks quite as bad as Brady at this point, but he definitely doesn't look like the Drew Brees that we're used to, which is kind of crazy. Thinking he we're just a couple of years removed of him throwing like 700 passes and completing like 70 percent of them. So, yeah, I I think. I think if you're gonna go and get a, a New Orleans quarterback, you just get Breeze for the one year, the one year bit. You're probably gonna have to overpay for him, but chances are, you're gonna have some pretty decent fantasy points coming coming your way. And and Jameis, it's gonna take a, a Breeze injury, a significant injury to get to get Jameis on the field for uh, a sustained period of time. So, yeah, it, it's honestly at this point, it's probably a full avoid unless you're a contender and can afford to pay up for a 50 year old quarterback. All right, let's wrap up the show in the NFC South with the Falcons. They acquired Todd Gurley once he was released from the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, they released Devonta Freeman, and they really don't have much else at the running back position. Now, I've been talking about all offseason that I think that that means they're going to just be the, one of the pass-heaviest teams in the NFL with Calvin Ridley and, and Julio Jones and, uh, and Hayden Hurst, whatever that is. <laughs> but... At the end of the day, he is the RB1 there, and there's not much competition. So do you see Todd Gurley getting RB1-type touches, or do you think it's like he's really only going to touch the ball 10 times a game? Would you be worried about Kadri Olison and Brian Hill and Edo Smith? No, we, we wouldn't be. Um, yeah, Gurley, Gurley, a lot like Le'Veon Bell, has big-time bell cow ability and no no pressure, honestly. These guys are are free RB ones, honestly, and you know I I actually had an offer for Todd Gurley in a league today, and my response was essentially that Gurley has significantly more short term value than any trade value. So even a market value, when considering like ADP or calculators, even like a straight up fair trade in that is something I'm not going to accept because. His upside is far beyond where his market value potentially sits. Yes, he's only in Atlanta for a year. Who knows what's happening beyond that? He's already been in the league for five seasons. This will be his sixth. He's got half of one knee remaining, but it's still Todd Gurley, and we still know that he can play. And going into that offense, that's been pretty consistent year after year after year in their ability to score points and get running backs touches and you know fantasy points galore, I, I think... I think Gurley's in for a low-end RB1 season, and we might see some dynasty value bounce back, and then people are like, oh, yeah, don't you remember that he had that knee thing that one time? And for some reason, he'll dive back down after they re-sign him for like that minimum, which will be crazy, but it'll happen. Yeah, I, I think that at, the, at this stage, I mean, it's happening earlier and earlier, but at this stage in Todd Gurley and Le'Veon Bell's career, like their dynasty value is just their one year value like anything you get after this year from Todd Gurley it's a bonus like 
if he has a good year and his value rises or stays the same, that's a good thing. If it bottoms out, you're like, okay, that's the risk of taking on a, a running back that's on his second contract, particularly one that's one that, that's had health issues in college and in, in the NFL. So, I mean, like you said, Todd Gurley's probably more valuable on your roster than he is on the trade market. But, you know, it's it's not a terrible idea to, you know, fish around and say, you know, test how low the Todd Gurley owner is on Todd Gurley right now. For sure, yeah. I think it's a good time to buy him, no doubt. Uh, especially if there's if you've got owners that have genuine fear of chunks of the NFL season not occurring or potentially it being canceled or any of that kind of stuff. Because if you can get into a, a bell cow for, for the price he's going for, I think his ADP is is just continuing to drop, which I mean, I, I totally get it. I'm not saying that it's not at least somewhat justified, but you can get Todd Gurley at RB20, which there's definitely not 19 other running backs that I'd rather have than Todd Gurley. You look at the quick list, Fournette's immediately in front of him. Give me Gurley. Rather have him than Akers, Kenyon Drake, Aaron Jones, DeAndre Swift, J.K. Dobbins, Austin Eckler. I would move him all the way up before I had to stop and get to Derrick Henry. So uh, I think there's a lot of wiggle room there. And even where he's being taken there, your owner in your league, unless it's me, is probably lower on him than that because that's technically still like a top 50 pick, top 60 pick. And that's probably where he's going in most startups at this point. But that doesn't mean that's where his trade value is. You can get him for pretty darn cheap right now. All righty. You know what else you can do for cheap is get involved with our friends over at Bet Online. Playoffs? Did someone say playoffs? NBA and NHL are playing for the gold, and our partners at Bet Online have you covered. Get in on all the action, including a new NBA bracket contest with plenty of chances to win. MLB season is pushing into fall, and there's no shortage of ways to bet with hundreds of odds, futures, and props. So take advantage of the return of sports, and remember, the casino never closes. Check it out all day, all night. Go to betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your welcome bonus. That's betonline.ag, promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Alrighty, that should wrap us up for uh, this evening. So we've gone all around the NFL Make sure to check out our last four shows to get all of our thoughts on the dynasty storyline for each NFL team. Now, next week, we have our yearly bold prediction show, and we will be joined by a special guest, a special guest, guest guest or guest host, debatable. You know, you can decide for yourself when you hear his lovely voice next week. Any last words, Dan? It's going to be sultry and exciting, and I can't wait for it. Kadoosh. You took that last week. I'll never forgive you. Kadoosh.